This is the First Issue Club Podcast, a weekly podcast where we cover what? First Issues. That's right. You guessed it. I don't need to say it to you, but here I am saying it to you. Anyway, it's me, Greg. I'm here with Mike, Budget King, and Caitlin, and we're here to talk to you about two deliciously wonderful books called Sword, but there's periods in between the words, so we'll get into that, (laughs) and then Homesick Pilots, and that's anybody's game of what that's about, but we'll tell you about it here in the episode. Uh, Before we get into the books, we've got some comic book news. Before we get into the episode, we have some comic book news. Uh, recently, rumors have come out about the new Spider-Man 3 movie. Have you guys seen this stuff yet? No. Yeah, well, you're putting on your uh, you Jay Leno this? impressions. Have you seen, have you seen <laughs> so it's been recently rumored that uh, Daredevil from the MCU television show is being contracted to come onto the movie no fucking way also it's been rumored that both of these spider-mans from the other sony spider-man properties i'd heard that and so with the other news that uh dr ock and electro from those movies are coming into spider-man 3 how are you guys feeling about this movie does it seem maybe too bloated you think they're trying to capture the magic from spider-verse yeah i don't know they're gonna do it well, here's my thing, is that Spider-Verse opened the door in people's brains to the concept of this. Yeah. But I'll say at the same time, that movie did it so effortlessly that if you would have told me, even in like an animated movie, they were going to dip their toe into Spider-Verse, I would have said, nah, it's going to be terrible and convoluted. So confusing to people who don't read comics. Mm-hmm. It was the complete opposite. Oh, yeah. It was like fun, didn't take itself seriously when it didn't need to but told like a story that we cared about with characters we cared about mm-hmm. um this they could very well do the same sort of thing but there's they're also going to be rehashing people and characters that i do not like <laughs> like i thought jamie fox's electro was horrible uh-huh. um i I was okay with like Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, but at the same time, there's certain aspects of those characters that I'm like, eh, why rehash this? Like, it's a fun, it'd be a fun wow moment if I didn't know about it. If I didn't know about it and went to the theater, it would blow my fucking mind. Yeah, yes. like yeah. now that I leak. Now that. that I know about it, yeah. I don't know that it's going to like make me as crazy as it would have otherwise it's gonna have to be small bit cameos like because we know dr strange is gonna be in this movie so he's either gonna send the title is multiverse of madness right right so he's either gonna send peter parker tom holland through these portals to find something Mm -hmm. and as fun nods we're gonna get moments from those other movies where peter's just like oh my god another spider-man oh my god another spider-man and this is gonna be like quick hits like that because if you get two and a half hours of so many fucking webs excuse the pun of stories going (laughs) it's gonna get confusing way too quickly well maybe do we know the contracts already set up for how many movies are signed on for tom holland moving forward because if this is literally like hey we're gonna have some fun in the multiverse and introduce you to that idea but this story's actually gonna take place over the course of a movie or two mm-hmm. then that maybe makes more sense to do such a grandiose idea um but 
to do it in one movie and be done with it kind of seems like an unearned yeah crazy wackiness moment you know what i mean i feel like well so i think tom holland's young enough where he'll they'll have him for a few more movies yeah because they're kind of already setting up a young avengers type thing with the hawkeye tv show Mm -hmm. and the uh, scarlet witch tv show is introducing her two children wiccan and speed so we're getting kind of this shift in the marvel universe of they're going younger so they can they can have these actors for longer so it would make sense that possibly this new Spider-Man 3 movie introduces Miles for the newer audiences. Uh, you're totally... that. Why didn't that even occur to me? That's like probably the big news here is that Miles has got to show up. Yeah. Well, if they don't, they've wasted an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Totally. totally, yeah. So I think that's what they're doing. They're just... They're introducing us in this movie and probably Scarlet Witch a little bit of different universes in the MCU and what the status quo is going to be going forward. I almost wonder if they know as soon as they introduce Miles that people are going to care so much less about Tom Holland Spider-Man mm-hmm. that they have to like really bide their time with when they introduce that character. Is it too confusing to have two mainline Spider-Mans at once in the MCU? I don't know. I think I have the bandwidth for it, but I also I also think um that there would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so quick to just like dismiss Tom Holland, what he's done with Peter Parker. I mean, we love his Peter Parker, but I feel like as soon as they drop Miles Morales, everyone's going to be like, fuck yeah, this, this is what I wanted. <laughs> well, and they have the benefit of Tom Holland is going to be essentially the same age as Miles Morales. Yeah, that's kind of weird, right? In the comic books, Peter Parker was Way older. Mentor sort of character. And so now they could be really a duo, like a mm-hmm. team up, which would be fantastic. And it could project a couple more movies just on that aspect alone. So I think they have a couple of options to work on that would have Tom Holland being Spider-Man for, you know, the next five years, probably. Do we know any villains in this? Like, what's the... We, we've we got no idea what the crux of the story is or why they're jumping into the multiverse? Uh, not that I know of. My... This is just me, my hot take. It's got to be Mephisto. This is how it all gets taken care of. Because in the end of Spider-Man 2, his identity is revealed. Oh, you're totally right. And that's how they undid it in the comic books. Yes. People were so pissed about Brand New Day and like that whole setup in the comics. And so an easy way to... Why would you do it in the movie if people were mad about it in the comics? (laughs) Piss off a whole other group of people. Because they undid the whole Mary Jane relationship in the comics. Everyone, like, remember they got married Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it was like, none of that ever happened. (laughs) I think think they maybe will learn from that. Yeah. And just make sure that everyone forgets that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. If they team up as a duo, they should call it Spider-Men. That's what I was thinking too. (laughs) Two Spider-Men and a baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I will see it no matter what. Yeah. The trailer could look so bad, I will still go see it <laughs> opening night. It's a weird season for comics right now. It's like this in-between holiday season, so they're doing weird weird shit with comic books. Well, yeah. I mean, school's on break. Yes. Comics want to go on break, so they kind of throw their last darts at the wall towards the end of the year. One of those darts was a crossover comic book with Sandman and Lock and Key. Mm-hmm. DC just said, hey, you know what? Let's uh, put some of our independent books together in a blender, see what comes out. It's a DC book? 
It's a, well, cause they don't have vertigo anymore. Yeah. So it's a black label. Yep. Ooh. So, um, I don't know. It was a zero. If you're a fan of one of those things, are you a fan of both of them? I don't know. It's it's a numbered zero. It's not that's not the rating you gave it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I gave it a zero. It's a cold zero. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's maybe just like a like a grab to get both of those fan bases interested in in one book at the same time, like one fell swoop, just like yeah. And I, and I everybody think, pick it up. And I think Joe Joe Hill and Neil Gaiman are two of the bigger names in comic book writing world and those are their worlds and now they're coming together so oh were they both still the writers i think did so. they collaborate together yeah, I, th- I think they're that affiliate. makes this make a lot more sense okay because okay. i looked at it and i just in my brain assumed that they just given it to someone else to like do this <laughs> some dc underling fun offshoot thing that i was just like this is for nobody like why are you putting time and effort towards this thing when you could an original idea? Like it takes, you know how long it takes to draw a comic book <laughs> and we're drawing this? Yeah. Like that blows my mind sometimes when I walk past some crossover thing. So it looks like it's more of a lock and key book that happens in the Sandman universe because Joe Hill is the author. Okay. okay. So still I do though. know a few people who are big fans of both. So maybe it's got more reach than... I mean, people said it was crazy when they combined peanut butter and chocolate, but maybe this is the kind pe- of yeah, but in the end, we need egg on their face. Oh man, I got peanut butter all over my chocolate. <laughs> it's ruined. No, oh, you got your lock and key in my Sandman universe. <laughs> Dang it! Get your locks out of my jelly. There, there, there certainly are people who all are these stands. Keys and all this sand. <laughs> There's certainly people who are stands for certain publishers, and. If you're like a Vertigo freak, it's like totally makes sense. Totally, yeah. It's just like if you're a Marvel head and you're crossing over, well, it's not quite that because Marvel is a shared universe, but yeah. you get what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. It's, it, it's more believable to cross things over because you're sticking I, in the same family. I books. think they're trying to cross over onto the crossover. Well, they're trying to make their play. They're trying to cross the crossover? They're, yeah. Good luck. So <laughs> thirsty for Donnie. They're saying, notice me. <laughs> we can cross over too, Donnie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wore the skimpiest costume to the Halloween bash. I'm a sexy See me, Donnie? See me from across the room, Donnie? <laughs> the other thing that, D- that DC did was... I think you're thirsty for Donnie. <laughs> no. I told you that. That's not true. Okay, sure. No. Uh, DC released a lot of Fat Boys this week. They were uh, hardbound books, and one of them was... <laughs> Is that uh, what you call books now? Fat Boys? Well, yeah. They were... They, thick, they thick weren't boys. Hard, thick I, Boys. Thick Boys. That's, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> thick Boys. I thought... Yeah, I thick thought Boys I, are big comics. Fat Boys are just <laughs> hardbound books now. Well, we're establishing <laughs> they, how to how to codify it, okay? So yeah, it, it's going to be a work in progress. Okay, sure. They, thick Boy. They weren't hardback books. They were like... Well, they kind of look like trades, right? Yeah, yeah. They're like a little thinner than a normal trade. Okay. And they had a bunch of them. And I don't know if they're trying to capitalize on people trying to be buy more than a floppy, right? One of them that they did was DC's Very Merry Multiverse, which got a little bit of buzz because it has a first appearance by Kid Quick from The Flash from Future State. Do you care? Well, we all have takes on this. Yeah, we do. Do we're taking turns? Yes, because I think they're both valid. Go. You want me to go first? Yeah. I'm 
in the comic book shop today. Mm-hmm. I've just finished checking out. My cool. buddy Budget King walks into the comic shop and I say, hey. And he goes, oh, what did you get? What are we picking up this week? Immediately reaches for this comic and goes, this is buzzing. We should cover this. And I say, I don't give two shits about this book. <laughs> like, you couldn't pay me to buy this. It's a fucking event anthology mm-hmm. style book. Like, I don't care. Based on the season a, of Christmas? A one shot that, like, doesn't lead into anything else except for, like, that they mention a character from Future State. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. That's, <laughs> like, money down the drain to me. And the, the way you... Uh, said it is absolutely right if you're going to this book thinking that way this book isn't for you this book is very much a tie-in to dc death metal which leads into the new event happening in january and february called future state see i didn't exactly know that death metal and future state were connected Mm -hmm. like the continuity flows from one into the other so at the end of death metal it's like uh the new rebirth Okay. This is this is uh, DC going into their like new their generation five iPhone of of new stories and stuff. <laughs> but the but the actual climax of death metal spurs the events that cause future state. Yes. Well, presumably. Yeah. Okay. So future state is basically set in the future. Doi. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get kind of like uh, it. It could be a what if scenario, but it's still like a fun event of just where our heroes are at. 10 years in the future. Let me throw some of these stories at you that are in this this book that you passed up that I have. <laughs> Great. Oh, I can't wait to not give uh, a third <laughs> anyway, shit. Anyway, wait. Before you do that, one. let me just say, if you've been following the DC death metal and you're going to be invested in Future State, this is probably a fun book to read. But if you're like... Oh, no. Let me caveat that. Oh, oh, good. Four pages of this are probably pretty fun to read. <laughs> I bet most of it's just Christmas bullshit. Now, just hang on. Let me... Okay, now now we really do need to know some of the titles in here. Ooh, yeah, How about... Gotta take care of this. A Very Lobo Hanukkah featuring Lobo. Makes sense in the title. Yeah, he'd be in there. Yeah, pass. <laughs> okay. Uh, what about Bizarro Love Holiday? Double pass. <laughs> Who's writing these? Uh, Calvin Ellis wrote that one. Um, what, okay, well, what about this one? Have yourself a bizarro little Christmas. Looks like two bizarro <laughs> Christmas stories. How about that? Come on. Okay, not helping my my case here. Uh, it's a horrible life featuring Lobo, Harley Quinn, <laughs> uh, Harley Quinn. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten you with any of these. Oh, you're gonna love this one. Twas the night with Booster Gold. One of your favorites. I love Booster yeah, Gold. I would one. read that one. Okay, so we one of five. Mm-hmm. You should have bought the book. Nah. Oh boy. Okay. So you dodged the bullet. Well done. <laughs> Two bizarro books. Where's Flash in that? Uh, where, right. Where would Kid Quick show up? Yeah. Let's see. I call him Flash. Kid Quick. Okay. Um, Kid Flash. Quick. Kid Kid Quick. Uh, he might be in the Night of the Magi, featuring the League of Shadows. You didn't even mention that yeah. book title. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, or he might be in. Prez Rickar's Magical Sci-Fi Desolate Souls Club Holiday Special oh. featuring Prez. Now this I'm in on. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> fucking <sweet>. crazy. <laughs> That's uh, a great title. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have led with that one, I would have been like, oh, regret, regret. That one's awesome. I can't even identify the Kid Quick story by the titles that are in there. What terrible happened? hype man for this What book. happened to Impulse? 
Wasn't he going to be like the next Flash at some point? He, well... Uh, that was a DC comic. Yeah, things happened. Okay. Things happened. Flash <laughs> is hard, man. Yeah, Flash no, is I hard. I didn't know Lobo was Jewish, though. That's a that's a new one. I didn't know either. I thought he was agnostic. This was his, this is his Jewish coming Maybe out. Maybe he his learns the meaning appearance. of Hanukkah. Yeah. His, his, this is a bar mitzvah. Um, so that's the news hit. Yeah. <laughs> a bar, mi- a bar mitzvah at Hanukkah. And much like, a bar mitzvah for Hanukkah. And much like comics at the end of the year, we're also scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> so we're just here to hang out, seal out this year with a kiss. So thanks for staying with us, and let's get this podcast started. First up on the episode, we have Homesick Pilots out on Image Comics, written by Dan Waters, who you may know from Coffin Bound and Limbo. We also have Casper Wingard from Paradiso, Limbo, some Star Wars titles, and Angelic. Uh, what is this book about? You may be asking. Well, I'm glad you asked because it's about uh, a story of a young woman who's in a punk band uh, that uh, gets taken over by a house and then has to go on a, a treasure hunt for ghosts. What a weird, interesting story. And a title that doesn't invite you into that story. No, this is a terrible title for a book, but a fantastic book. 100% agree. Well, but she is in some ways a homesick. I mean, it does identify them as yeah. kids just because it's the name of their band and isn't like listing out the synopsis. <laughs> well, and she's like piloting the house in right. a way. The house like turns into a mech thing. The haunted house. Yeah. Yeah. Turns into a. I guess uh, Ama- a, amazing premise. A Zord. Yeah. <laughs> is that what they're called? Yes, it is. <laughs> Did it hurt to say that? And the other <laughs> kind of. And when she's like my Zord being piloted by it, she looks dope. She does look dope. The other thing that I get a little bit angry with is when comic book writers dip into writing about music. Oh my God. Look at, okay. We do show notes every episode. Mm-hmm. One of my first show note is <laughs> punk talk dot 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 budget king approved. And yes. Okay. Okay, they handled it All right. right. All they right. How did they it. handle it that was right? I think that they they talked about thrash metal in a way that it was like, oh, this is generic. I'm more here to just be in an abandoned punk venue. It's more about being here and like being dirty than it is about the music that is thrash music to me yeah. that i felt well, like they didn't like reference certain songs that were played or certain bands to like give you the idea that they have cred to be talking this way so that helped me not well, get totally removed here's okay you, oh, you hey you take uh, the floor oh, i was just gonna say here's the <laughs> cred that i know that these people were in a band because one another band was playing Another band was trashing them yes. for being a terrible band. <laughs> and that's what you do when you're in a band. When someone else is playing, you just fucking trash them. They're not as good as us. I, I, yeah. I, I thought that they hit the nail on the head on, on punk rock cred. They mentioned Fugazi. Yeah. I was like... It's it's set in 94, so that makes sense. Oh, I didn't realize it was I did. set in 1994. I almost thought about that when yeah. they referenced that, but I was like... I'm, that I'm makes so totally much more sure. sense now. I also appreciate... When they're watching the punk band and it's introduced to us initially over where you would normally see lyrics, they put like 
contrived trite punk lyrics yeah. yep. like as like a quote thing and like they were redacted almost mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was like i love that because it's so hard to write any song stuff in a comic and have it translate is not corny mm-hmm. lyrics are corny yep. yeah out of context lyrics are fucking corny yes so yeah i thought this was great i mean i really instantly kind of connected with this because i've i've been to these kinds of shows before We've all, I think we've all been to these kinds of shows where we're just like, I could probably die here at any second. <laughs> and the cops will just come in here and just bust it up. But it was great because you, you think you're getting this one story of like gutter punks trying to find a home and battling out in this, in this band scene. And it quickly turned into this like weird horror show of like a haunted house that is like, uh, kidnapping people can be piloted, yeah, by like the kidnapper. Or mm-hmm. It, it honestly, like I did, I had very low expectations for this book, and it blew me the fuck away. It's not just kidnapping people either, because I think that would be interesting, but more of along the lines of just like a finite, like haunted house tale. It's like it needs to be complete again by finding these artifacts, like you mentioned, the treasure hunt, mm-hmm. and. I don't know if it's going to let go of her once it gets those, but it's very much like using these people that it kidnaps as means to an end, which is interesting. It's got that sentience, that hauntedness. It's, it's interesting to me that it seems like the two of them had this positive symbiotic relationship, Mm -hmm. but it also perceives like the good and bad in other people. Like there were assholes that made their way into this house that the house chewed up and spit out. Oh God. Brutally. but for whatever reason, it like saved her friends or spared her friends rather, and then really took a liking to her um, and kind of imbued her with some powers or whatever. Yeah. And this is a rare comic book where I like never get this, where I'm either story I would take a full comic book on. If it were just yeah. the, the bands battling in this small town and like figuring out where to play their next punk show, mm-hmm. I'd take that. If it was this horror house going collecting lost artifacts as a mech, I would take that. Yeah. So it's the perfect uh, PB&J. There is this one panel of the house cut, like the cut house that had several floors and I lost my mind over the way that looked. It was so cool. Yeah. Broke format complete. I mean, like, you can how many comics have we read and how many times does something happen where you're just like i've never seen this before in a comic book especially in regard to paneling like it was it took my brain a second to realize what was going on and what order i was supposed to read it in but Mm -hmm. once i put it together i was like wow i love this so right It, it i didn't even know where to start reading but i was like oh shit it's yeah. breaking like rules in all the best ways, and it just fit with what you what what the story was. And it, it like I like it didn't hold your hand. It was just like the comic presented it, and there's just like figure it out. I also see how these stories connect and where they meet. This this book would get an easy A plus if it had a different name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they they did this thing in the book about describing what a haunted house is that I had never seen before in my entire life. It's like the circle theory of just like a haunted house is only scary when you're inside of it because it's, it's, it's contained. None of the bad shit in the haunted house can get out. And I was like, holy fuck, I'd never like broken that down before and thought about it. And then it, it throws the, the theory of what if the haunted house could get up and move 
come to you. And come to you. You're like, holy fuck, that is horrifying. And so I thought that was just like a really unique take on kind of a, a, a tired horror uh, theme. Mm-hmm. So I just, that panel alone just blew me away. Job well done. Sneaking in in the end of the year. This could have easily made it in one of our end of the year uh, awards, I feel like, in somewhere. We don't know how yeah. well it's going to go. But Maybe in contention for next year. We'll we'll lump it in. This is the weird award season mm-hmm. that happens <laughs> where it's like this release won't get covered next year. We're not going to look back and be like, oh, what technical 2020 books? Yep. And it's not going to get covered in our end of year. It's just a good book, and I hope you find it. Well, I think it's safe to say we all love this book, and you should go definitely check it out. And we're moving on to another book. And now we are covering S-W-O-R-D. That spells sword from Marvel Comics, written by Al Ewing. If you don't know what he's been writing, let me tell you, we can only find them when they're dead. Empire, Immortal Hulk, basically all the bomb shit on Marvel right now. But who drew it, Greg? Well, I'll tell you that. Give me a second. It's uh, Valerio Shidey, who's also been working on Empire and other various Marvel titles. Guys, it's uh, safe to say this is a Marvel affair. <laughs> they really kept it in-house with this I like one. that you don't need us for any of this. <laughs> I've gone slowly insane over this uh, year, 2020, and the year of our Satan. Uh, well, Greg, you're probably uh, wondering, what's sword about? Well, it's, it's quite simple, my friends. It's X-Men in space. Did I get it right? You did. Did you want to answer yourself, Greg? I did, Greg. You did a good job. (laughs) One thing I wanted to kind of start this conversation with is who who do you think this book is for? It the the conversation is interesting to me because it's there's so many X Men books at this point. This one seems pretty niche. You you have to have a working knowledge of what's been going on. You don't have to have intimate knowledge because I do not. Um, probably more than some that haven't picked up any of the previous like power or 10 or, or, you know, but it's, it's, um, it's not requiring that extensive knowledge of you to kind of understand sort of the scope of what they're trying to do and how neat it is that they're taking mutant technology into space and to other worlds and planets and not just going to stick around on just old earth anymore. Yeah, I think. I think it's for two audiences, too. I think it rewards the Ten of Swords people who followed it. And it's like, it's all done, but you, now you have a book called Sword. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of come to something or yep. whatever. And I also think that Al Ewing is the master of writing another genre into comics. So I think Immortal Hulk is a horror book in, in like a classic Frankenstein horror way maybe the best ever done version of that. And then this is 100% like Star Trek hard sci-fi in X-Men. Yeah. And so it's for people who know Al Ewing and know how good a writer is and want to like dance into that world. Yeah, this is full on hard sci-fi. This is going to be for the hyper nerds. <laughs> That's kind of what I thought. My brain immediately went to people who can't get enough that want like more, more, more. We're opening the doors to a whole other 
world, right? Mm -hmm. If there's stories that can't be contained in one nation of Krakoa between the mutants, as interesting as it is with the inner workings and politics and world affairs and how they relate to Earth, um, is, is there room to just say the into the stars and into the future there's a, a whole other realm and world of adventure out there typically things like alpha flight have been like i mean that's like outer space avengers kind of mm-hmm. um those books in my opinion have always been like you're a serious nerd if you're reading avengers in space with these like way more obscure characters than the mainline characters yeah but i love hearing that it read as pretty accessible and can also kind of be a standalone like, hey, fun characters with superpowers that are just going to go on space adventures. Well, I think Marvel played it right with not using any mainline, mainline X-Men. Besides, the ship. besides Magneto. Well, Magneto's not going to be on the ship the entire time. He's kind of the liaison for, I would say, a few issues to kind of, uh, you know, help his pet project come to fruition but you're right otherwise no mainline no this and, is and, all... I, and i mean peeper is gonna if nobody <laughs> knows who he is like they're gonna stick around to see more of what peeper's up to hey peepers and magneto have been buds for decades <laughs> old uh brotherhood of mutants character mm-hmm. there yep. was that great moment where you can tell like that this one guy is getting upstaged by peeper and he's like what is happening <laughs> so it had it had it had really good moments like that weren't just graphs and like all the stuff that has become kind of synonymous for me for like this world building thing for Ten of Swords and like it was kind of a a standalone in that way. What's even funnier about this is like let's go further with the Star Trek comparison. It's probably in the Star Trek world it's Deep Space Nine where it's like it's it's actually like the world within the world of it that matters it's its own little ecosystem yeah and getting into the bureaucracy of like there's a there's this monologue where i don't remember which character is basically saying like i kind of fucked with alpha flight i kind of fucked with shield but i like decided to switch over to sword because i just liked how they do it better which just felt like a person who actually thinks about switching jobs within their like world of job it just felt Mm. like very bureaucratic yeah they're not as organized as I'd like, so that's why I'm here. It's oh, forward. is that what it was? Yeah, it was something. Well, like yeah, that. because they kept not knowing how to protect yeah. the populations that they were um, tasked with protecting because superheroes would just go off and do their own thing or they couldn't get the budget that S.H.I.E.L.D. had. Or Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, this is very much Krakoan ran. There's no government agencies. There's no, you know, bureaucracy except the Quiet Council. So it's just, it's a lot easier to get things done. The other thing about this book, it, I mean, it's thick. It's a, it's a longer book. And it, it has to do what every new team does, is like introduce you to the characters, introduce you to the team, introduce you to the story. But it does it in a way that's like, I felt like very inviting and tongue-in-cheek. Right. I, I love that Magneto's kind of coming to inspect the ship and see how processes are going and who's in what job role. And through his eyes, you kind of get introduced to the concept. There's a level of familiarity he has, but they still put on like a dog and pony show a little bit for him. And that really helped. And it's a brilliant way to showcase personality in minute little things. Because not only do they get to say, here is my name, and then here's what I go by when I'm working. 
but also like just the way they interact with him if they like try to kiss his boots or if they're like yeah whatever i, I you're here I, you're my boss like it's just kind of a good way to get introduced to a lot of people really quickly so there's one part where is his name whiz kid mm-hmm. uh he's he's like having to defend his mutant name and he goes well did you know that cable actually selected his name because and then he sees magneto and stops and he's like oh hello sir (laughs) (laughs) Um, i'm so what was i don't actually know how cable selected his mutant name or why okay i didn't know if you guys were gonna like Uh brain bust me because i was like it is kind of an odd mutant i think he was getting ready to dunk on cable and then he saw that, like, a higher-up was in the room or, like, a CEO, and he was just like, oh, maybe not the perfect time for an <laughs> off-color joke. <laughs> About leadership. Yeah. We haven't mentioned this, but Cable is head of security. Yeah. <laughs> on S.H.I.E.L.D. Young Cable. Or, sorry, not S.H.I.E.L.D., Sword. Sword. Sword, is, Sword started as S.H.I.E.L.D. in outer space. Mm-hmm. It's like a government-run thing. Now it's straight mutant-run. They, they really break down the symbiotic relationship between... Mutants. The book gets into how a lot of the characters' powers are have have a higher purpose when combined, Mm -hmm. and we explore this a little bit in the early issues of Dawn of X with the Five and how they can resurrect people, and it almost seems like destiny Mm -hmm. that their powers work so intricately together to be able to resurrect people. These characters have powers that work so well together to be able to transport um, other people through time and space and then bring them back. I also like that they have backups that are listed. And I almost wonder, because I think it could be interesting that, because a lot of the, the backups are, are probably more prominent figures within their their society, but I almost wonder if they their powers don't work as well which is why they haven't been chosen for these groups, which is kind of an interesting, like, this is your time to shine, peepers, because they can't do what you can do in the context of what voids need to be filled in this group. Yeah. It, the, the, the whole staff makeup of the ship seems to serve this higher purpose of this tool created by combining X-Men mm-hmm. powers. Yeah. Which is, that as a concept alone is interesting enough to me to read a few issues. And so gratifying to find uses for people who kind of have similar things that they can do. Yeah. I would imagine. Well, well, To be able to kind of say, well, the overarching purpose of like having all these similar things is that now you can do this one. This is the natural evolution of the way that is going to go. Yeah. Part of what you're referring to, I think, is that, you know, they've got several teleporters working together in order to achieve these mega teleports. Yeah. Incredible, like exceed these incredible limits and like power each other further. And, you know, there are mutants that serve as like a grounding Mm -hmm. element for all of that. And, you know, what they can achieve when combined is just so fun. The paneling when they're like venturing out into outer space and some of the narration that's happening as they're doing these like big things that transcend across the universe was really fun when this book was announced i thought that it was in the ten of swords event and i thought that one of the swords that they were going to have to retrieve was the spaceship itself like to fight with the spaceship as a sword and which would be sick (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was like oh that's that's like rad but obviously that's not what happened so 
Kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Spoilers for Ten of Swords. But, um, well, Cable uses his sword as a key for the ship to, like, start it. Mm-hmm. And then they find out that there's a weapon of sorts on the ship that is crucial to the battle that ensues oh. at the end of Ten of Swords. My assumption. So you'd get that payoff. Yeah. Turns, turns so, reality. Yeah. Ten points, Gryffindor. Congratulations. <laughs> it's so weird to hear it not in a British accent. <laughs> and so the teacher becomes the student. It's the other way around. But good job. A <laughs> uh, lot of great books this week, guys. Would you not agree? Yeah. I've got a fat stack of uh, not number one fat, sitting fat right boys. over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fat boys also known as books. Hey, we've called them thick boys. I don't know. I got a few hard bodies. There we go. <laughs> got my hands on some hard bodies over there. I like equating each like what are volumes? What are <laughs> what are bodies? Brick house. <laughs> well, give us your favorite book nickname, and we'll put it up on Twitter and uh, vote on the best one. Uh, once again, thanks you for joining us. Uh, we're on all the social medias. We're over there on Patreon. Look, look us up, First Issue Club. We love you so much and hope you're having a good holiday season. Stay safe out there. Uh, we got a couple of good uh, shows coming up with our year-end stuff and our best of, some of our favorite episodes that we do every year. So by now you've already heard that we're doing kind of like a mini show, uh, Crosstalk. It's, uh, we're covering Donny Cates' crossover series. It's that big that we need to have a separate show just to talk about it, it really is a love letter to comic books, and Donny Cage is just fucking doing a, a great job at it. So check those out. They come out every Friday after uh, a new crossover issue comes out. And thanks again for joining us here on First Issue Club. We will see you next week. Bye.